Radio's Community News Podcast number six. I'm Jennifer Gannon. Later, we'll be talking to Jamie Brackett from the Fit Mammies classes and Gary Keegan from the Broken Talkers Theatre Company. But first, I caught up with Judy Booth from the National College of Ireland and she runs the After School Coding Programme and she was here to tell us all about it. We spoke to Emer last week about the after school here in Ringsend and Irish Town Community Centre and she told us that the kids in the after school would be learning coding. So Julie has joined us just to have a chat about that. So Julie, thanks for coming in, first of all. And just for everybody out there that might not know, what is coding exactly? So coding is coding is a form of technology through STEM education. So the children will be looking at um, basic robotics, engineering, and they will also be looking at electronics and programming. Okay, because a lot of I think a lot of parents or maybe older people like my age <laughs> might be thinking, what what is going on with this? What what is it exactly? And I think it's something that the kids actually know more about than the actual parents sometimes. Well, funny enough, you say that, Jen. Like Air Code and Club caters for age nine to twelve years, and currently with the Rings End After School Club, we have children from age seven as young wow. as seven engaging and are really managing how to use the material and the programming and, and you know just simple things like navigating a keyboard you'd be amazed the amount of kids they're they're all swiping now mm. because they're so used to the phones and just a simple one lesson just you know a brief description of how to navigate the keyboard has been amazing and we were kind when we were when Ema had said that the children were only age seven we were a bit apprehensive you know mm. are they a bit young are they not but they're really doing well and they're really engaging well and they're it's gas there's no filters with the kids when they're that young because yeah. they're open to conversation and they're asking questions they're eager to learn mm. so coding for me because I struggle with coding even though I organise the coding clubs for the early learning initiative um, to me it's like an online jigsaw brilliant that's yeah. my simple definition of coding it's all on a screen it's known what formulas to use Um getting to know the language the coding language so a lot of our lessons we'd be looking at the coding language uh defining simple definitions what coding is and explaining the language of the coding and it's kind of using the skills that they might have already like you said they're there they're swiping they know how to like navigate you know their own parents laptops and ipads and stuff like that so it's kind of getting that information really and helping them to use it for like for uh, to put it into practice basically that's basically it and again it's supporting their math skills mm. you're looking at technology you're looking at engineering um you're looking at the science ends of it and you're looking at you're also like we do encourage children to tell them they're the little engineers because they receive an ember so the platform we use is called Mateblock and Scratch. So there is a, an actual robot that they have to build from scratch. So they're given guidelines. They're asked, we ask the staff to kind of let the children work independently, but only engage when they need support. So again, they're using all different her- terminology. You're looking at positional language. You're looking at, I know you're, you know, their motor skills, their fine motor mm. skills. Um Again, it's problem solving. It's them working as a team 
and uh, as as a team and engaging with each other and helping each other out. out. Again, you're fo- you're focusing on the confidence. Yeah. Um. Them being vocal. Mm. Them expressing how they feel. You'd be amazed. You remember the kids there. It was so funny. I was actually walking down the road here t- two weeks ago, and we only started the Colden Club, and how familiar the kids can get with you when you're someone different when you're out on arm yeah like out on normal life engaging with them like the, one of the children was roaring screaming <laughs> after me as I was walking down the name and explained to their mother who I was and the parent actually says oh my god this is a talk in our house code and she, um, she was able to tell me the mother was able to tell me that they were using make block because the child who was only eight years of age was able to go home and say what they had done so the mum was able to go online have a look at what we were using and she was able to download the software which is great that's amazing yeah. and it's amazing to have like that connection like you're saying and it's coming from the kids and it's getting the adults involved too and for me I think what you were saying there about how beneficial it is um, I struggled a lot in school with maths I think and it was never it felt you know too far away from me I wasn't I didn't have that kind of logic brain and I think there's something like code and actually have you seen it help you're children with prob- their math skills problem solving problem yeah. solving you're looking at you're looking at formless mm. even though the kids don't realise they are formless that's it but you know they have to know what figures to put in to make the ambots move like you know if you're looking for the robots move 10 spaces forward they have to know what buttons to press they have to know um, what actually what the formula looks like to be able to put it on the screen so yeah it's all problem solving it's all maths it's numeracy they're looking at sound and light also so they need to know they need to know all them different elements so it's great it's kind of doing that in in such a fun way and in a way they don't even realize that's it that they feel comfortable with and it's not like rote learning like you're sitting there you know having to like solve a sum or something it actually has a like a physical there's something there at the end of it that tangible that they can see like i think that's so important i think for kids learning like and the platform that we use is so simple like it's all color coded um, so if they're not familiar with the warden, you know, if they haven't mm. got the literacy element of saying, can you can you click on the events tab? We'll always we'll always identify. I'm just using events as a, yeah. as a, as an example as the yellow tab. So all the tabs are color coded. So if the children isn't familiar with the literacy element of the descriptive words, they can look at the color elements of it and use it in that format. Brilliant. So um, so like. We're talking about this now, and uh, but like it, there's so much. It's so beneficial for their futures. I think like you're setting them up right now to be engaged, as you said, with like numeracy, but also like engineering, like you said, or you know scientific processes that would maybe open their minds to like a world that they probably wouldn't have been exposed to before. Exactly, and so coding is just a small element of STEM. You know, it's the technology element of STEM. At the moment in ELI, we have received funding through SFI and Google um, to promote STEM programs within the Dublin Docklands. So coding is only one small element of it. So, you know, as well, I find with the word STEM, a lot of parents are shying away from it. It's the buzzword in the schools at the moment. Um, But if you break it down into simple definitions for the parents and just give them a bit of guidance along the way, you know, we don't realise STEM is all around us. Mm. We're doing it in our everyday (laughs) life. We're doing it in our everyday work life. Like, you know, 
even when you're going for your shopping, there's an element of STEM there. And for those that don't know, what does STEM just stand for, just in case? like So STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Maths. And at the moment, the Early Learning Initiative are promoting STEM educational programmes for parents, for families, for communities, for centres like your centre here to engage with. We're constantly trying to promote and trying to get families to to link in with us. my contact details is julie.boothwan at ncirl.ie if they ever want to email me to get any information. And if you do... We're always readily available. But um, STEM can be made so fun for children. It can be simple little programmes that you can engage with in the home environment or in a centre by using lots of household materials around them. Even garden, like I see here, you have mm, a lovely... We do. Our award-winning garden. <laughs> like, that's STEM. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's the thing. I think. I think a lot of people are kind of intimidated by it mm. or put off by it because they're saying, "I don't." That sounds expensive. I think yeah. that's what you know. Our parents kind of jump to, like parents kind of jump to, going, "I, I can't afford to do that." But it yeah. is, as I said, it's everywhere, yeah. and it's it's day to day life. Like you wouldn't even realize that you mm. are using technology, or you are engaging in scientific, you know, theory or whatever that you don't actually realize. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think is so important about this, uh, the program that you're running, and I think it's a great opportunity for there's so many coding classes out there and, and they're quite they can be expensive it's, it's quite hard to like you know as you said it's the bu- stem is the buzzword and, and, p- and people want kids to actually you know go on these programs but like we have it here right now so I think it's great to promote that and to get the word out there that there is something that you know is on offer here in the community centre for uh, the after school programme yeah and again like you know out the support and the help from Google from the funding we got from Google and from SFI, we wouldn't have been able to cater for the number of children that we are catering for at the moment because, you know, we have to provide the laptops, we have to provide the software and we have to provide um, the materials, which is the... the, the, the robots, excuse me, <laughs> the robots, <clears throat> and then staffing as well. Yeah. So... Uh, Unless we get funding, there's no way that we, you know, would be able to provide it. And we're only happy to be in the community. You know, we're trying to promote it as much as possible. Um, we actually provide, through COVID as well, we were doing a virtual um, coding club. Amazing. Um, obviously, it was on a smaller level. But the coding tutors that I have at the moment, they could see the difference between the virtual engagement and the face-to-face engagement. Like, there's no way we could could have even let children at the age of seven engage virtual because, you know, the parents would have shied away from it. Mm. You know, because it's virtual, there's no one there to guide them where you can really see the engagement, how much more beneficial it is when you're face-to-face. Which is amazing. And I think, like... For Google, I think as well, it's an investment. It's an investment in the future. It's an investment in their, you know, future employees. Let's just say, like, so I think it's it's beneficial for for everybody. Like, so, um, your contact details you gave them out there. You can contact ourselves here in the radio if you have any questions about it. And that's uh, rickradio2020 at gmail dot com. That's r i c c radio2020 at gmail dot com, and we can pass them on to Judy. Um, so that's every, how many days a week is it for the after school then? So at the moment we're doing Tuesdays and Thursdays, and it's from three to four. Great. Okay, that's amazing. Thanks so much, Judy, for coming in and telling us about that. Thanks for having me, Jenny. Thanks.
You're listening to the Community News Desk on Rick Radio. I'm joined now by Jamie Brackett, who's the organiser of Fit Mammies, which takes place here in the community centre every Sunday. Uh, Jamie, you're very welcome. Um, how? What is Fit Mammies? What goes on in a Fit Mammies class? Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so Fit Mammies is a pre and post natal program and it's a wellness program for all the community of mummies expecting and then mummies who've just recently had babies um so i basically program training sessions to cater for pregnancy growth and change at every stage of every trimester of pregnancy and then when babies arrive to focus on a bit more pelvic health and a lot more recovery and just giving the space for mummies to bring babies to try it too so sometimes we find it hard to get a minder um and i know myself and <laughs> uh, so bring it be able to have that space to train while their babies are minded and have a little play area it's just a great platform to have so i kind of set up it mommy through uh, the height of the pandemic and um, i just seen areas of this kind of training and specifically around prenatal women were probably a little bit more I suppose they're so they're training in bigger gyms, bigger spaces, and it's like generic classes that they might have felt wasn't tailored to them. Yeah, so I'll make sure that every like everything is individual. So I, yeah, that's really what it's about, and just get the community. I think it, the, the, what you were saying there is really important because it's about you know mothers, new mothers, or you know second, third time mothers, or whatever, feeling kind of supported yeah. by each other. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the thing, like there's there's such a big community out there, so I've been doing it online uh, for a while and met a lot of women across Europe, but it's it's so happening in big that too that um, a lot of mothers are getting to know each other, then like a few play dates outside and stuff like that, but just to know that you're not alone and there is that space available for even if you want to just have a chat about what you're going through or your different stages of pregnancy as well. Yeah, because it's not just about, as I said, just a fitness regime. It's more also about kind of coming together and uh, communicating and sharing stories and and like feeling that, you know, you're involved in, in a group that, you know, you can share things with in a safe space almost. Absolutely, yeah. Like a lot of women put a lot of pressure on themselves, even when they're not pregnant or or have babies. Like you know, and it's just really important to know that you're not alone. I feel um, when you become pregnant, you might feel like things you you experience um, are just to you, but there's so many other women go through and to learn what they did to help and just getting a lot of advice that you might not have around you. You know, and then especially with the the mummies, new mummies, it could be quite a lonely period. Like mm. there's a fourth trimester which people don't really talk about. It's you prepare all this time uh, for pregnancy and for the delivery of your baby or a second baby to your baby. Um, and then that four period is like, oh, what's next now? Like I have the baby vest, but it's not just that. You're, you know, you're trying to find your new identity. So it's, it's a really community-based uh, approach to training um, is where it's kind of come from. So I, when I was pregnant, I felt it was missing and um, I just wanted to get the community together. So it's great to be able to see moms coming in and bonding and just having a bit of space and fun most of, most of the time as well, you know? Yeah, because I know from like a, a friend of mine that she's recently had a baby and, you know, it can kind of be like 
it's a scary kind of world to enter into when, as you said, you're trying to focus on this new phase of your life and, and you feel like your personality has changed almost, like it has to change in that way. And it's good just to know and understand that there there are other people going through the same things and you're, and you're not alone. And what you're thinking, you know, any thoughts that you do have like that are not, you know, I, I, all mothers maybe have had those kind of thoughts have crossed their minds and nobody is perfect because I think with the, there's a, an industry behind mothers now like and that's been manufactured and but it's manufactured on perfection and I think that's a huge problem absolutely I totally agree like and this there's this whole myth about having to bounce back and be this amazing figure like there's no definition of perfect mother but you are by nature the perfect mother to your child and you're doing everything in your power like the child is looks up to you to you 100% like you're the the gift in the child's eyes you know so like it's it's hard it can be a lonely time I like that you're saying about the identity and I feel like going through things alone is is even lonelier um when you are a new mom like you know so just being able to get it out there like it's hard to come out that area of um newborn phase when when you're finally trying to find your tribe almost and trying to find your your space and you know where do you fit in your daily routine just everything is upside down so it's kind of getting out there and let people know that this is available to them and especially in uh, like so close in town you know it, it's a good platform to have so yeah hopefully people will will just know that they're supported yeah. and be able to Come, come onto the platform you know it can be scary but there is people there like professionals like myself and other moms that would be able to help all the time and so it's not just about like I think as you're saying there, there's a concentration on you know shedding baby weight in inverted commas or whatever but these classes are not a, about that it's just getting you back to you know or getting you into used to a new body or a new way of being yeah, absolutely. So the way I approach the training platform is, so from first, second trimester, you're training for mobility and stability and you're, you're stabilising your body to prepare for birth. And then towards the last trimester, you're going to train in preparation for birth. So you're going to work on your breathing exercises and everything's aimed towards becoming a mother and towards motherhood and birthing. And then in the postpartum programme, um, we, we work on recovery methods. So whether it's you have had a c-section or you know uh, another type of delivery you're working on strengthening your pelvic floor um, and then breathing exercises and like you said just becoming back into that normal uh, routine where you feel you can walk with no pain to start off very very gentle reintroduction to it and the main thing that I want mothers to know and women in general is not to rush we always want that strive for perfection straight away but it's a very gradual process and the slower you take it and the more focused you zone in on that pelvic floor or unique recovery um, the better long term for you and your mindful well-being and your baby's health as well so if you're if your cup is full baby's cup is going to you're going to give all your energy out to, to people that need it from you as well so then it goes from recovery and then we focus on strengthening the body back up for your daily activities so we will do like when you think about it a lot of people are told not to lift certain weights and obviously every postpartum journey is individual but you're lifting baby all the time and you're sitting down in the squat position all the time and you're carrying a lot of weight without even realizing so imagine you're carrying a 10 kg kettlebell around you know all day every day so um it's just strengthening the body up on both sides and 
making sure that you're you're feeling good during your active motherhood. Yeah, so it's little by little. It's a gradual program rather than something yeah. like that's you know getting it quickly like and as you're saying I think that's the most important thing because you feel like in today's society and you're so busy all the time that you need to even rush this process and it's not a process that you actually can rush absolutely and you know that's another pressure added on to everything else that we just don't need you know um so I think it's it's training your mind if you've seen over the last over the last two years we've all started to focus on exercising for our mental health as opposed to the you know, drill sergeant kind of yeah. attitude to training. And I think I think that's a big, big step and a great change. And the same approaches for mother, mindful well-being. We do a lot of affirmations and to make sure that the mother and women know they should be proud of themselves for taking the time for themselves. It's hard to fit your schedule in. Obviously, when baby's here, it's you prioritise and we don't prioritise ourselves. So I always say to put it in your calendar to make the time. And that's why I have that platform there to bring baby to. So you don't have to worry about that. And you can always work around bringing baby, even if they're not, you know, let them yeah. sit in their car seat uh, or like, you know, just to, to give them the option. And so that's really important to me as well. How much do the classes cost and how long uh, are they going on for? Yeah, so at the moment, um, the prenatal class is €10 Euro per session and you can book online or a cup pay in person. And then the postpartum strength classes are €12 Euro per session. So the, you can bring baby uh, up to the age of one for the postpartum um, or you don't have to. So whichever you prefer for that one. Um, right now, they're just in like a piloting stage. So we haven't confirmed how long they're going to go on for. So hopefully uh, till the end of the year, of course, um, and it will be just continuous on on the Sundays. And then when it grows, it will, you know, another day will come on the scene, hopefully. So. Um, the last couple of sessions have been any fees that's been coming in has been donated to a charity for what's going on in the world with the war and stuff like that. So um, it's just good to let people know it's mostly from community. And if, if there's any discussion needed um, in terms of coming in or if you want to book a different session, you know, there's always room to talk to me. And even if you're not sure if classes are for you, like always message me on Instagram or you can uh, go onto the website, send me an email at fitmummies.com um, or, you know, on fitmummies Instagram handle. Like I'll always be able to answer any questions you have, whether your GP has said you're good to go, but you're still not feeling yourself, I can give you advice that way. So there's always options. Um, but yeah, no, it's great. I'm loving it so far. The ladies are loving it anyway. So <laughs> looking, looking forward to the next one. That's great, Jamie. Thanks a million for talking to us. So that's uh, Fit Mammies every Sunday here in the community centre um, from nine to ten. And if you do have any questions or anything like that, you can email ourselves here at rickradio2020 at gmail.com. That's rickradio, R-I-C-C, radio2020 at gmail.com. Thanks so much for that, Jamie. Thanks, Jennifer. You're listening to Rick Radio's Community News Desk podcast. Ryzen is a project that brings together uh, Trinity College and Broken Talkers Theatre Company and we are joined by Gary Keegan to learn more about this. Now this is kind of an an initiative to get a discussion going I think about climate change and I think with climate change it can sometimes feel like a pretty abstract subject for a lot of people so how do you think that this project can change that maybe? Yeah well I think what we found is we put a call out um, uh, just before Christmas to the community um, 
around Ringsend, Irishtown, uh, Grand Canal to come and join us in this uh, in this project to to really explore that very question is like what what can the community do that um, to see if we could kind of mobilise and 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 get people moving towards behavioural change. So um, we were kind of surprised by the the variety of, the variety of people that actually showed up to that initial meeting, and now four or five months on you know it's pretty much the same people that are showing up every week and we've kind of we have galvanized a lot of um a lot of support around this uh, around this project and it is um it is a very eclectic kind of bunch so you've people that are you've older people you've younger people you've people that are that have been living in the area for you know for for decades all their lives you've people who are newer to dublin um and they're all bringing a certain different perspective to the topic. Some of them are very active already in terms of climate action and protest. Some of them are approaching it much more from a sort of community, uh, grassroots community development perspective. And I think across the board, um, what kind of, what um, what they all have in common, I suppose, is a, is a shared concern um, for that area, for around, um, around Ringsend, Irish Town, Grand Canal. Given the history of um, flooding, given the proximity to water, I think everyone that has sh- shown up um, and has taken part in the project is is kind of looking at it from the perspective of that particular part of Dublin and how vulnerable um, it is. So I think that's probably what what has kept people coming every week, you know. Yeah. And one aspect that you have uh, in this project is the edible garden that you've started up. And where is that based? Yeah, so the, the, the one of the groups. So what we, what we've the, the way we approach it was we asked people to consider what changes they could make, either individually or collectively. And out of the main group, a group of um, a smaller group of uh, people who are living around Ringsend Irish Town and are connected with the tidy towns, um, decided that they wanted to um, install a, an edible garden, so like a herb garden, um, and it will be installed in St Patrick's Villas. Um, and we're having a launch actually on the 2nd of April. So um, it's in the process of being, uh, the, the, the large planter box is in the process of being built. Um, it, it'll be installed in the next couple of weeks and then it, we, we launch it then on the 2nd of April. So I suppose the whole kind of idea behind that was, um, I suppose just in the news, you're reading more and more about you know uh, food security and food prices and inflation. So this was their way of, I suppose, taking a, taken an action um, to address that and redress that and I suppose to hopefully inspire um, the you know others in the community to grow their own food like there's we know there are allotments down in Ringsend in the park etc but I suppose this is a particular this is a, something particular to this um to this project that it's a it'll be an edible garden so that people can come along they can snip off you know bits of herbs or you know this garnishes for their for their dinner and I suppose we're along with that we're going to have um demonstrations about how to grow and 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 stuff like that so that was that that particular group decided to run with that idea and we think it's a you know a very worthwhile idea and it's kind of saying something important in terms of I suppose just moving forward food food security and stuff like that mm. so that was the sort of notion behind that and and just to say we have our own gardens here in uh, the community center in Ringsend and Irish Town yeah and we, yeah and they're very impressive and we've we've, we've had a, a look around and they're you know they're great and I suppose they were an inspiration to this to our group as well to to do something similar and to um I suppose to build on the like the, the great work that is happening around Ringsend and Irish Town with the gardens in the in the in the community centre, with the with the allotments in the park and now this 
um, th- this this herb garden that's going to be installed in St. Patrick's Villa. So I suppose R- Ringsend is, you know, a bit of an example, a bit of a shining light in terms of sustainability. Um, and yeah, I suppose just we're, we're, we're happy to try to highlight that and to try to sort of facilitate more things to happen around that as well, you know. Yeah, and we're trying here ourselves to kind of get involved with like our cafe becoming sustainable as well here in the community centre from the garden. So I think it is a really worthwhile initiative. And how did you find, like you were saying there, with the community engagement, um, were people, how engaged were they like from the, the get-go? Was it something that you find that there was a great interest in or...? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we were impressed. Like we, we had we had um, a couple of dozen people show up uh, for the first couple of sessions. Uh, and, you know, most of those people have stayed with us. So so we have a core group of, of about 16 and um, five or six of them are involved in the herb garden. But there are other groups as well that are that are do, that are working on a lobbying piece. There's another group that are working on um uh, a, 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 an activism piece as well. So how how to be an activist, the sort of toolkit for activism. So there's a, there's a variety of projects that are running simultaneously through the Rising Project. But I suppose the engagement, um, as I said, like it's been it, it's been consistent. Is the thing that I would say is that people are showing up every week. You know that they, they made their own decisions as to what they wanted to um, talk about and 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 change. And so they are very much the the kind of authors of their own you know, their own piece in, in, in that regard. We didn't direct them as such. Mm. We didn't kind of dictate what they needed to do. We asked them to, to think about what they could do and what they think, what they thought would be impactful. They made the decisions and now they're kind of, you know, now they're running with it. And we hope that, you know, after this phase ends, that, the, you know, that, that, that energy and that sort of galvanized sort of a, a spirit around um, taking action and making changes will, will will continue, you know. Yeah, and um, from that perspective, can and can people still join in? Can people still get involved? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's like like I said, we are having the launch on the second of April, where you know we'll be down there at the Herb Garden, and we'll be giving out you know little little snacks, and we'll be talking about the project. Um, you know, we are having a. Um, in the Lear Academy in on the 5th and 6th of April, we are having a public presentation of all of the projects that have been happening over the last several months. So that'll be an event that's open to the public. Um, and yeah, you know, we, we, we would certainly encourage and invite more people from the community to get involved because it is, I suppose, this is phase one of something that we will hope will continue where the community come together to meet regularly to you know, to to collectively decide on action, whether it's you know an individual action or collective action or action where they're you know they're lobbying or they're they're uh, taking part in um you know protest or whatever it is, whatever they decide is the most appropriate form of um activity. You know, we we'd be there to you know support and facilitate that moving forward. Yeah, and that's the thing about facilitation. I think because I um I think a lot of people um feel that they're very the anything a small whatever they get up to is ineffectual or it doesn't work with regards to climate change like it's hard mm. to know where to begin where to start how you can you know change your day-to-day life even and I think like a group like this like the project itself is so important because it shows people it kind of points them in the right direction more so yeah I think there is there, there is um there there is that feeling of 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 kind of within a group you I suppose there is that strength in numbers 
thing that that is very that is very important very noticeable that yeah we can all do our own individual um thing and we can kind of maybe doubt ourselves as to whether or not it is effective but i think you know coming together in a group um agreeing you know a, a task or a change and then presenting that back out to the community saying look at what we did like mm-hmm. that is something that is happening in rings end you know anyway you know there, there's lots of initiatives similar to this this is this is yet another one i don't think there there's necessarily you know the, you can't have too many of these you know where, where you're trying to act as a sort of ex- example and, and show people um what what is possible and invite people to sort of to get involved as well i think that's how things happen you know whether it's you know in in you know growing your own food or writing emails to you know to 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 people in power asking difficult questions around policy you know that i think doing that as part of a part of a community part of a group um you know it, it's it's a, yeah it's a very positive kind of um you know, experience and more impactful as well, I think. Yeah, I think for Ringsend, especially the, the area of Ringsend in Irish Town, especially we've had the knock-on effects, we've had the incinerator here and we know mm. we're, we're so highly aware of, you know, the environmental issues being right at Dublin Bay as well. Absolutely. And I just think it, that's it's such an important thing to, we may feel like voiceless in a way, but as you said, when we all group together, because this is, you know, what is so important and what is so prevalent in End and Irish Town is the, that feeling of community. So I think, like you're saying, if we all kind of band together and are, are putting our, ourselves in the right direction for something, we can actually make change happen. And I think that's the most important, you know, message with something like this project. Yeah, and I think you'd be. I think I think it's it surprised me um, as well how how committed people were. You know, to, you know, in terms of like like they showed up every Monday. You know, they 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 did the work. You know, they 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 were very committed to the project and i think you know i think it, that's a sort of test testament to the you know the, the love and the and the, the the care that people have for where they're from as well that mm. they 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 do care and they are kind of um there is a certain amount of kind of concern um around what could be down the down the road in terms of rising sea levels etc particularly in that part of dublin and so there is a there is a there is an urgency to it as well and i think that's you know that's what has kind of helped to to galvanize and to 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 make people show up every week you know is that sense that um something needs to change or you know lots of things actually probably need to change you know and for people out there that want to get involved where can people find you do you have a contact address then yeah so rising uh, the, the website address is risingdublin.ie um so that's where people can get in touch with us um, you know, through email and to, you know, to find out more about the project, to get involved with the project. So, um, you know, I, I would encourage anyone who's interested in, you know, being part of a, 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 a grassroots community um, climate action project um, that, that are living or working around that part of Dublin to certainly get in touch with us at risingdublin.ie and, um, you know, to, to say hello and, 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 uh, you know, to organise to come down and meet us. Great. And yeah, as you said, like April 2nd is the launch for the Edible Garden. So if people are around, they can they can come down to, to see it for themselves there as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll be there on the 2nd of April um, and hopefully to meet some of the people and, and talk a little bit more about the project. Brilliant. It's a great initiative. So thanks so much for talking to us today, Gary. Not at all. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you. 
that's all from the Rick Radio Community News Desk for this week. If you have any events or information you'd like for us to broadcast on the show, please email us here at rickradio2020 at gmail.com. That's R-I-C-C radio 2020 at gmail.com. And just allow two weeks lead in time as the podcast is pre-recorded. So my thanks to our guests today, Julie Booth, Gary Keegan and Jamie Brackett. From me, Jennifer Gallen and Dylan on sound. Have a great week and we'll be back here next Monday at 12 noon.